So this morning's reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 14, starting at verse 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Thank you, Andy. Bruce, please come and join us. You know I'm going to say next, don't you? Sorry? You know I'm going to say next, don't you? Yes. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Great. Father God, I thank you for Ruth. I thank you for her passion for you, her heart after you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, this morning she can communicate that passion through the words of John, through the, wor through the words that she has put together. Lord, I'm just speaking of you and the covenants and promises that you have made to us as your people. Lord, bless her. And bless us as we receive the words from her lips this morning. Amen. Amen. So, good morning, everybody. It's really good to be here with you. That's a weird thing to say, but you know what I mean. I am sort of with you, even if it's through a stream. Um, so, 
As Pete said earlier, we are doing a series on promises, and today I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus' promise that he will send the Holy Spirit to us. And um, Andy reminded me the other day that all good sermons should have three points and they should all start with the same letter. So um, my three points today are going to be who, what, and why, all about the Holy Spirit. That reminded me a little bit of a Dr. Zeus book, which I discovered is Horton, Here's a Who, um, which really has nothing to do with who, what, and why, but I thought it was similar anyway. So I have been thinking this week, as we have our road map for getting out of lockdown, about dinner parties and who I was going to have round for a dinner party as soon as we are able. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait. Um, of course, friends and family come top. But then I got to thinking, well, if I could have a famous person, I'm sure you've all done this at some point. If you could have a famous person to dinner, dead or alive, who would you have and why? So you just think about it a little while. I've asked Pete if he'll come and just tell us who he would invite. Don't know whether Debbie would agree with him, but Pete. Who would you invite for dinner? I, I'm fairly sure Debbie would agree, actually. Would she? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we've come, I've got to confess, we, we're a bit nerdy, but we've come really late to watching the Netflix series The Crown. I mean, we just binge-watched it, watched it you know, over about three weeks. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> three episodes a night, the way we were going. So we're just keen for the next series to kick off. Um, so I have to say, providing she would come and leave the corgis at home, <laughs> I would really love to have invite the Queen, because I want to get behind all this stuff. I know some of it's complete rubbish, and you know, just to, to find out. And also, just get a sense of her, there's a little edge about knowing God and who, who yeah. God is. I'd just like to explore her faith a little bit with her as well, Excellent. because she's certainly been tried <laughs> over this, certainly over the series I've been watching, at least. I'm sure in real life, exactly the same. But, uh, so that would be my choice. I'd, uh, the Queen. Have the yeah, Queen. That's, that's okay with choice. you? That's pretty, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pete. So I hope you're all just thinking at the moment who you might invite. Alex and I had long debates yesterday about who we would invite and why. And we were, we were very torn between somebody who might be really good fun, like maybe a comedian, who might be good fun, but on the other hand, they're often quite shy and would they just be shallow? Or would we want somebody who might just take us really deep and we'd learn something from them? Or somebody who would challenge our thoughts and, and sort of, you know, maybe make us think a bit more about what we think and feel about things. Um, and we went round and round in circles and couldn't quite agree in the end, I don't think. Um, but you might see where I'm going with this, maybe. Um, that if I really had to choose, I think Jesus would have to come. He would have to be up there. Because I reckon, I reckon he's really wise, so you'd get that side of things. He knows everything, so he'd be pretty cool for teaching me stuff. Um, I think he'd be really good company. And let's be honest, if the wine ran out as well, we'd be okay, wouldn't we? We'd be great. But then I got to thinking, oh, in fact, I had this picture in my head. Do you remember the days pre-COVID where you used to go places and you'd have to take one of those tickets out of a machine so that when you were going to be, so you'd know that you were, 179 and you'd have to wait for your number to come up on the board before you got served places like Argos or wherever 
And I was visualizing that pretty much, maybe not everybody in the world, but like a lot of people would want Jesus for dinner, I reckon. So I had visions of this little machine and I'd have to go and get my number out of the machine and I'd be like, four billionth. Well, how many years is that going to be until I can have him round for dinner? Well, that's no good, is it? But do you know, Jesus had a plan. He saw this coming. Do you like where I'm going with this? So when Jesus was walking on the earth in his body, he could only be one place at one time. So we might be three billionth in the queue because there's a lot of people to get around, aren't there? But Jesus rose. He ascended to heaven. And he sent his Holy Spirit. And his spirit can be with each one of us all the time. How cool is that? I think that is the best thing ever. I have got so excited about this the last couple of weeks. So there's that little bit in the middle of the reading where it says that um, Jesus will not leave us as orphans. When Alex and I, uh, many moons ago, had young children, um, I was trying to go back to work and trying to think about a childminder who would be suitable to look after our youngest. The other two were at school, but we wanted somebody to look after Andrew. And I don't know if you've ever looked for a childminder, but we wanted somebody who basically had the same faith as us. So, yeah. They had to love our children, preferably the same as much as we would. Um, they had to be, um, you know, have a clean, tidy house. They had to have the similar standards to us, the similar intellectual, so they'd encourage him to read and all the rest of it. And fundamentally, we wanted somebody who was us. Because... That's, they were our children. We wanted them to be really brought up by us, but we were going, I was going back to work. And you know, I tell you that because that is what the Holy Spirit is. When Jesus says that he doesn't leave us as orphans, he didn't give us a second-rate person to come and be with us. The whole of God is in Jesus. And the whole of God is in the Holy Spirit. It's his spirit. It's his very being. The Holy Spirit is God's very being. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit searches the intimate places of God. The Spirit knows every single part of God. Every single secret and thought and just everything about him. It's all because the Spirit is God. There is no difference. The Spirit raised Jesus to life and the Spirit lives in us. Now, I know we know that, okay? But stop and think about that for a minute, okay? Just think that the whole of God is in us. Think about that. That is incredible. It's mind-blowing that he would want to. 
why does he want to be in me with all the stuff that I get wrong and all my weaknesses and failings? And he wants to be in me. And not just a bit, not a second-class bit, not a second-rated bit. The whole of him is in me. That's incredible. So that's the who. Sorry, I should have said that. I'm not very good at these things, am I? Who? Who is God's spirit and he is with us. So what? What does he do? And this passage is amazing because actually we're told all sorts of things about the Holy Spirit all through scripture. Right from Genesis where he is there at the creation, right the way through the Holy Spirit is present. But in this, just this little few verses, there are all sorts of things that we are told about the Holy Spirit and what he does, what his role is, if you like. So we're told that he's our advocate. That's a bit of a posh word, and I had to go and look it up. Um, the only advocate I could think about was in court, where um, you've got somebody who sort of stands up for you, who's on your side, who's there with you. And I thought, wow. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's on our side. He tells us truth. He cannot lie. He is God. He cannot lie. And he's there to remind us. I'm really glad about this. He reminds us of all the things that Jesus has said. That's what it says there. And I'm so glad about that because I have a memory like a sieve. I've often said to Alex that nobody will even notice if I get Alzheimer's because my brain is so bleh. Um, I'm always forgetting stuff. Rubbish. But the Holy Spirit reminds us of, us of all the truth that God gives us. He's our helper. And we all need a bit of help, don't we? I'm not ashamed to say I need all the help I can get. He's our comforter. He gives us peace. He gives us strength. He is with us on those days when we feel alone, especially in the middle of this lockdown. He is with us. We are never alone. He is there. He's invisible. And yet it's interesting, isn't it? Look at those verses. I should have it in front of me. It says, you will not see me. They will not see me, but you will see me. And it's weird because when the Holy Spirit fills us, we get a real sense of who God is. It's like we can see him. Of course we can't physically see him. And yet the Holy Spirit makes God so real to us, so tangible, that it's like we can see him. I know that God is real. I know God is alive today. Not because I can see him. But because I know the Holy Spirit, there's nothing anybody could tell me to say that's not true. Because the truth is in me and in you. We can see God. The Holy Spirit is a guide for us. Now, I, this always makes me smile because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit guides us and lead us, leads us. And yet, I don't know about you guys, but... So often I ask him stuff and I'm like, well, you haven't given me an answer. Oh, well, why aren't you giving me an answer? And do you know, this week it really struck me. You have a look all through the Gospels. When Jesus is asked a question, 
How often does he give a straight answer? Ever? I'm not sure he does. What he does is he asks a question and he gets us to think and he gets us to to make our own decisions, but with his sort of prompting and guiding. Um, so he doesn't give us straight answers. Why, why do we expect it? Jesus didn't give straight answers. So why do we expect it from the Holy Spirit? He's the same. That's really interesting, isn't it? Never thought of that before. So that is what the Spirit does. But why? Why does he do that? Does he just... Does he just come and be with us and be our help and be our comfort and give us peace just because God's nice and he wants to give us a good feeling? Is that what it's all about? I think that's part of it. And of course, when we were looking for a childminder, we wanted somebody who would love Andrew and comfort him when he was hurt and be with him and pick him up and put him back on his feet when he fell over. And of course that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. But again, look at this passage. All the way through, it says, do. Keep my commandments. Do what I have told you. It says, keep my commandments then I will pour out my spirit. This promise, as with so many in the Bible, has something that we need to do, and God does his bit. Keep my commands, I will fill you with my spirit. Thankfully, and I thank God, that his spirit helps us to do that, because it's really hard, isn't it? Don't just not kill somebody, but don't even think about killing them. Not that I actually would, of course, because that would be really horrible. And I never get that angry with people, do I? Uh, no, of course I don't. Um, the Holy Spirit helps us. But look again. If you've got it in front of you, look again. It doesn't just say do. It says, if you love me. And you look at that passage, and all the way through, all the way through, there's love. If you love me, do this. Because I love you, I will do this. If you love me, obey. Because I love you, I am with you, and I equip you. And I equip you that you will do greater things greater things than Jesus did. I have mulled on this this week as well. What on earth does that mean? Greater things than Jesus did. I can't even think of greater things than Jesus did. That's mind-blowing. But that's what the Holy Spirit is coming and doing. But love is all the way through this. We're not keeping God's commands because we feel we have to. There is an element of that, maybe. But actually, when we know how much he loves us and we love him, 
then all that we do will flow out of that. We will want to because God's spirit is in us, changing us, forming us, melting us, molding us, getting rid of the rubbish and strengthening up the good stuff and helping us to keep those commandments because of love at work. Love is the fundamental thing. God's given us his spirit because he loves us. That's why. To help us, to guide us, to equip us, to strengthen us. To, to help us to step into all those things that God has got for us. People don't always believe me when I say this, but I get so nervous about speaking every single time. Every single time I think, I can't do this. And that's not asking for people to tell me I can. I know that without God, I can do nothing. But with him, all things are possible. All things. And that is true for every single one of us. God has grown me into so many things that 10 years ago I would have said I couldn't do. Not because of who I am, but because of what he has done. And he will do that for each one of us when we trust him. But we have to step out. Faith without works is dead. That's what James tells us. Faith without works is dead. We have to, have to outwork what we believe. If we don't, it's empty. James, oh, I'm going to have to read it, sorry. I'm going to get twisted all up with my words otherwise if I don't read it. So James says, uh, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without de deeds is dead. That is James 2, verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So a body without a spirit would just be an empty shell. It would be empty, dead, dry, nothing. That's what faith is like. Empty, dry, dead, unless we put it into practice. And that's why the Holy Spirit, that's why God has given us the spirit. Not so we can just feel good but so that we can step into all that he has for each one of us. All of it. There is nothing that God asks us to do that we cannot do. How often do we tell ourselves we can't do something? Where God's saying, actually you can if you trust me. Trust me, I'll equip you. And he does. He absolutely does. I don't know if you are doing the Live Lent course that we've been doing as a church. Um, but if you have, I'm just going to read something that was in yesterday's um, little bit. So a guy called Ralph Waldo Emerson said, What you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you are saying. Isn't that good? I'm going to say it again. What you do 
speak so loudly that I cannot hear what you are saying. What we do says way more than anything that we can say. And of course we want the two to match up, don't we? It's that authenticity. So we want to be outworking exactly what we're saying. But if we're not, if we're doing stuff that doesn't back what we're saying, it's a waste of time. Because people will only hear what they see us doing. That sounds contradictory, but I hope you're following there. Um, what we do is so important, but we can only do it in the strength of his spirit. Isn't it awesome? So, who? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. The very essence of God dwelling in us. What does he do? Actually, he does everything that we need him to do. He is like the best friend we could ever have. Ever. And why? He does it to equip us, to grow us. That God can be seen in us and through us. So just before we finish, I'd just like to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Just in a new way. And you know, he always does. Always. And when I say come, because I'm, I've just told you that he's in us all the time. But he can come in a fresh way. And we can invite him to come in a fresh way. So that we can feel his presence. So that we can feel the peace and the strength that he's promised. I wrote on my notes, um, will we give God free reign? And as I wrote it, I thought, do I mean reign with a G, as in like the queen? Or do I mean reign as in like a horse's reign? And actually, I decided I mean both. Because <laughs> it's both, isn't it? We want the Holy Spirit to come and reign as the king in our lives. But we also want God to come and be the reins, to take control. That's what I want. That's my heart's desire. Is that your heart's desire? For his spirit to come and to reign in both terms of reign within us. Will you allow God full reign in you? Or will you try to control him? Let's just be quiet for a minute, wherever you are, whether you're on the sofa or in bed or wherever. Let's just be quiet. I always find it really helpful just to put my hands out, like I'm expecting to be given something. So if you find that helpful, put your hands out. And I'm just going to pray now. Lord, I thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you have not left us as orphans.
just come now. Come and fill us afresh. Lord, I ask that you will rain on me and give you every part of myself. Come and reign. Lord, I ask that you will clear out anything that gets in the way. your love fill me so that I can fall in love with you all over again. That all I do and all I am may just flow out of that. 